Shalom Mishpocha. Shalom, family. Mishpocha is a Hebrew word, means family. <laughs> We're the Mishpocha, the family with a Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people. <laughs> We're the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile finally come down to form one new man. And in the Greek, one new humanity. Getting ready, Mishpocha, to blow the grandest shofar, oh, the grandest trumpet in Zion. We want everyone everywhere to hear the good news. We want everyone everywhere to be red hot for the Messiah. Now, my guest is Lisa Bevere. Many of you are familiar with her because she's uh, teaching on television uh, all over the place. And you're also familiar with her husband, John Bevere. He's a world-class teacher. Now, I, I don't know, Lisa. I kind of protest. Why would God put two world-class teachers together? Only one of you should have been. <laughs> you know, I really think God is trying to model what he began with, that he had one man, one woman with one heart who raised one voice in their unique strengths so they could speak to what God wants to do in this generation. I, I want um, people to get to know you. I want to get to know you a little bit better. I have some notes here, uh, but I found out something about you that I, I wasn't even aware of. Uh, you had uh, an eating disorder even before you became a believer for something like uh, six years. Uh, was it irritable bowel syndrome? Was that what you were dealing with? Uh, you know, I had, I had a number of things. I had an eating disorder. I had anorexia, bulimia, and then I had lactose intolerance, and I had uh, irritable bowel syndrome. I had all of those mixed together. And, and I know people uh, with just the irritable bowel syndrome, and that's such a devastating thing. I mean, it wrecks their whole life. Mm -hmm. I had been hospitalized because of having extreme stomach problems for three days, actually just a few weeks before I met John. Now, I was a complete heathen. I was just doing that whole passionate, fallen world things, drinking, being wild. And I, it came into me, actually, when I was in the hospital, I said, there has got to be something more. There has got to be something more to this life. This is, I thought this was going to be fun. It actually now feels empty. And, Sid, I don't know if you know this, but John actually led me to the Lord. He shared about Jesus with me on our very first date. And he joined hands with me, and he prayed for me. He, you know, he said, you know, now you're saved. And I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> and he said, it means to be whole again, spirit, soul, and body. And when he said that, having absolutely no idea that he was talking to a broken girl, a girl that had just compromised every area of her life and had an incredible battle with eating disorders and stomach pain and lactose intolerance, I just looked at him and I said, oh, so I can have cheese now? And he was like, what? And I said, you just said that God was going to heal me, and I cannot have cheese. I have lactose intolerance. I'm so excited. He was so panicked. Said he was like, oh, my gosh. So he took my hand. We were 21 and 22 years of age, and he said, all right, Jesus, if you can save her, you can heal her. And he had me repeat, you know, God, I just thank you for healing me of, and then I said lactose intolerance, stomach problems, and in Jesus' name. And I felt the warmth of God come into my stomach and untie knots that had been in my stomach since I was 15 years of age. Had you ever felt that presence of God in your entire life previously? You know, I had felt it one time when I was about five years old, but no, not other than that. What happened when you were five? 
Um, well, I lost an eye to cancer when I was five. And it was interesting, right before they discovered that I had cancer in my retinoblastoma, I actually had a night vision. And I had been praying uh, as a little girl. I had such a desire to honor God with my life, but had absolutely no idea what that would look like. And I had been praying in my bedroom when uh, a presence of light came into my room. It was like a, um, a shaft of light made out of stone. I know that doesn't necessarily make sense. And it had Hebrew writing on it. And the peace of God and the presence of God came into my room. And and I I have to tell you, as a little girl, for some reason, that presence of light and and God saying that there was, in my little girl mind, something already written about me, gave me the assurance that I would live and not die. And so when they gave my parents six months for me to live, and I am now 54, so I obviously did not die, I had such an awareness that God had already visited me and his hand was on my life for something, but I had absolutely no idea what that would look like. Now, when, when you were young and this happened, uh, when you had uh, cancer in your eye, mm-hmm. uh, I'm told that the light was so bright, yes. people could see it outside your door, but there was no light on. Right. My babysitter came running in, and she was yelling as she came down the hall, I told you to turn off your lights. And she opened up the door, and it was complete darkness. And absolutely freaked her out, and she actually would never, ever babysit for me again. So it's <laughs> very, very, very strong presence of God. This would be back in 1965. So I don't know if she was part of the drug culture and it freaked her out. But, yeah, no, it was a very, um, very poignant, very pointed. It's something I can go back in my life and mark. And I do believe that God wants to speak to his people in dreams and in visions. Okay. We, 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 John prays for you. He leads you to the Lord. You say, my, you know, I got all these conditions. It's a wonder he didn't walk out right, right, right there. But he, uh, just a simple, childlike prayer, that same presence you felt as a young girl yeah. came upon you again. How long did it take with all these conditions? I mean, uh, I mean, you were—I understand you were just take—you were addicted to uh, diuretics and laxatives and uh, the stomach disorder and the irritable bowel syndrome. Yeah, you, you had—you were running a fever. You had rashes. You were in constant discomfort. I mean, it was a horrible way to live. How long did it take God to heal you? Well, He immediately healed my body, but you know what? It took time for me to change my practices, to understand that I could actually entrust him with my weight. I mean, you know, Sid, it's interesting. People do not realize that anything and everything that is important to us is important to God. And so I kind of thought, okay, now I'm a Christian, so my weight, that's not important to God. I I just need to navigate. That needs to be something I navigate on my own. And I think I had been saved for about a year and a half. And, you know, what, you know what's interesting is um, when you have an addictive personality, which is definitely what I had, and I still have, I'm addicted to Jesus, and that's what I'm going to just have to be addicted to for the rest of my life. But when I had uh, substituted drinking, uh, you know, I was like, okay, I need to stop getting drunk. I switched my addictive behavior to overeating. So I was underweight when I got saved. Then I became overweight when I became a Christian because Christians, oh my goodness, they don't drink, but they eat excessively. And so um, I switched my drinking excessively to an eating excessively. And then I remember God saying, listen, if you will stop weighing yourself, 
if you will stop dieting and if you will give this to me, I am going to perfect those things that concern you. You can trust me with this. I had gained so much weight that I couldn't get into my wedding gown. I was, you know, we were supposed to be getting married about four weeks later, and I could not get into my wedding gown. And he said, Lisa, a diet changes the way you look, but a fast changes the way you see. And he said, I need you to see everything differently. I need you to see yourself differently. I need you to see me differently. I need you to see everything about food differently. And he said, he said, a diet, you know, he said, is about denying yourself, but a fast is about indulging me. And he said, I need you to give me room in your life. I need you to let me be your banquet. And so, Sid, I went from eating until I was uncomfortable to eating till I was satisfied. And I actually had to have the Holy Spirit teach me that. And I offered up my, my food with prayer and thanksgiving and said, God, you know what? You show me. You show me because I had lost all sensitivity to what it meant to be satisfied. I only knew what it meant to be in pain. And so God actually gave me a weight. And I, I know a lot of people out there, you're thinking, What? God wants to be, yeah, absolutely, He wants to be involved in this area of your life. He wants to be intimately involved in your most intimate areas of your life. But God actually gave me a number, Sid, and I I remember I wrote it down on a piece of paper, and I shoved it in my Bible, and He said, I'm the one who made you. Not shape, not glamour, not vogue, not women's health, not men's fitness. I'm the one that made you, and I am the one who knows what you should weigh. And He gave me this number, and I remember I stuck it in my Bible, and I stopped, I stopped dieting, and I just began to walk with God. I began to worship. I began to build back strength and not look at myself the way I'd seen myself before. And do you know, on my wedding day, I weighed that exact number, and I have pretty much stayed that exact weight for 32 years. Explain to me what God meant when he said to you, your weight has become an idol. Well, okay, so, and I love that most people don't think about idols as something that we would have today, but they really are truly everywhere we go. I mean, an idol is something that we give our strength to and draw our strength from. So for me, my example would be if I felt thin, then I felt worthy. I felt confident. I felt uh, like I could witness to people. I felt like I deserved love. And so my weight became something I bowed down to because it controlled my life. You know, it controlled the way I felt about myself. It controlled the way I approached scriptures. It controlled how I approached other people. And see, God doesn't want us to raise up any image or any idol above what he wants to have in our life. And the truth is, when we begin to see ourselves the way God sees us, then we begin to live the way we are made. I love how Isaiah says, he will teach us to live how we were made. We are, we're a people that were made for God. And so when we go to idols, they don't teach us to live the way we were made. And, you know, everything with women right now, you know, is on a magazine cover, and it says, if you want to be loved, you have to be bikini, bikini ready by, by May. You know, it's got all of this stuff out there. And it's also telling women that if they want to have some kind of worth, they have to be sexually desirable. And there is a huge idol in this nation of our self-image, of our body images. And the truth is that we can actually trust God with that. And, and he, will, he will change things. And I, I believe the way we eat is also driven by the way we look at ourselves. And so if I'm thinking that food is my source, if food is my comfort, it's an idol. But if I understand that 
food is something good that God gave me. I'm going to eat with a different attitude. Lisa, that made a major change in your life. But there was something else that caused a major change in your life. In 1994, you're pregnant, and you have, without a doubt, the most vivid, unusual dream of your life. And in fact, it might have been even more than a dream. You actually felt you were there. What happened? You know, I had a night vision. I went to sleep exhausted, and I found myself standing in front of a magnificent lioness. She was laying on her side on top of a platform of stone. On the front of the platform, Sid, was the word numbers, and then the Roman numerals, XX3, which would mean 23. I remember I looked at this lioness, and even though she never moved, I felt like she was actually more alive than me. You know, people that have had a little glimpse of heaven realize that everything there is the prototype, and everything here is but shadow. It was like there was no air or space between her cells. It was like incredibly concentrated. And the longer I looked at this lioness, the longer I felt like something inside of me was awakening, expanding, and getting ready to explode. And when I felt like I couldn't take any more insid, I heard a voice behind me say, with the birth of this son, you will awaken a lioness. I began to shake and I came fully awake, immersed in the presence of God. And I had such an awareness that there was something a little bit more than a dream that had just happened, but a mandate and something had been imprinted on my life. And when I felt like I could reach my hand out of my bed and open up my NIV Bible to Numbers 23, verse 24, this is what I found. The people rise like a lioness. They rouse themselves like a lion that does not rest till it devours its prey and drinks the blood of its victims. Can I just be honest with you? I'm almost a vegetarian. I was beyond challenged by these fierce words on fragile Bible pages. But I did give birth to a son, and I named him Arden Christopher. And with Arden's birth, I basically saw my world expand. I wrote my very first book while I was breastfeeding him because he refused to detach. I wrote Out of Control and Loving It, and it opened up my world, and it awoke me to be able to understand that there was something inside of me that fear was holding back. And I really believe that the lioness that I saw was not just a statue, but she is a revelation of what the church is supposed to be. People are at ease at their strength and at rest with their power. You began an intensive search of what is a lioness. Spiritually speaking, who is the lioness? I believe it is the church. You know, we know Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah, and we know that he is coming back not as a lamb, but he's coming back as a lion. And I believe there is a fierce awakening that he is speaking into his church that we would begin to remember who we are, remember what we were created to do, remember that there is a new season, a new disposition. We see the book of Revelations, and it's like this all-out 
war, to end all wars. And so I love Alexander the Great's quote where he said, I am not afraid of an army of lions led by a sheep. I am afraid of an army of sheep led by a lion. And I believe he was prophesying that as the church, that we follow like sheep, but we do not fight like sheep. We fight like our lion. Lisa, you produced an entire curriculum called Linus Arising. It's your, your book by that title, your workbook, then the three DVDs that have eight sessions and the four CDs that have the same eight sessions. And why did you put this curriculum together? What is not your objective? What is God's objective? What does God want to accomplish with people that take this curriculum? You know, Sid, we find out who we are in the company of others. And I really believe that you can read a book, and yes, that will do a work in you. But when you gather with others, when you bring other people and you sit down together, you find out both your weaknesses and your strengths. You find your questions and you find your answers. And so not only did we create a curriculum that just taught, but we actually did a curriculum to actually help them learn who they are. You know, in the workbook, Sid, it actually has a test for you to find out what kind of lion you are. Because if you are a protector and you think you are a hunter, then people are going to be at risk. So I really believe that God is raising up people to find out who they are in the company of one another and what those strengths are that they need to hone. And so we actually took it as like a safari journal because everybody goes out and sees something different because we're made different. But the truth is we need to learn our strengths and then we need to give those strengths to build up all. Well, it's time to awaken the Linus in you. It's time to arise. I want you to dare to walk into your destiny. I want you to have the greatness that God has inside of you to awake. By the time you finish this curriculum, whether you take it just by yourself or with a group, by the time you finish this curriculum, you are going to find something fierce, something beautiful and wild that's going to awaken within you. Uh, Lisa, you talk about this, but it's obvious to me. Most people that go to church that love the Lord, most are spectators. They're almost beaten down from fulfilling their destiny by something called religion that has evolved rather than fulfilling their God-called destiny. I, I, I don't know how it happened, but it happened. Will this get them out of that? You know what? It will not only get them out of it, it will empower them to see things differently. I really believe this is a prophetic curriculum, and I believe it speaks to a different place in everyone. I said it's been out for a couple years, and you know what I've gotten to do? I've gotten to travel and see what happens two years later when people have gotten a hold of this curriculum, what they have done in their communities, what they have done in the church, what they have done to reach out to the poor, what they have done in every realm from, you know, the law to, to beauty. It's been crazy. I'm actually beginning to do things where I'm actually doing follow-up about what happens when lioness is awake. And I've seen people lobbying for, you know, for helping with autistic children to beauticians saying, we're going to do things that we're going to sell beauty products and it's going to rest 
rescue children that have been orphaned. It's been crazy to see they find their strengths and then they give their strengths. And they've never been so fulfilled because you and I are not called to attend church. We're called to attend to the church, which is his bride. And we're not just supposed to sit. We're actually supposed to adorn her with strength and beauty and purpose. And so I really think there is a shift happening because the subtitle of Linus Arising is Wake Up and Change Your World. Okay. Consider yourself challenged. I want you to know that when you end up fulfilling your destiny by getting this curriculum for $79, and that includes postage and handling and shipping and everything, when you do that, any profits that we make from this is poured into Jewish ministry. I got this this morning. I want, I want to read it to you uh, from my uh, cell phone. We are excited about the response from your program, Sid. Uh, this is the Russian language broadcast we're on all over the world. Thousands of people are sending testimonies and prayer requests and encouragements after watching your programs to our call centers. We would like to share with you how our channels and media group are developing. We're continually growing in the Western and Eastern European cable networks. Last month, we added over 10 million households to our cable systems. We are now in the process of finalizing agreements with the largest network, and I can't mention the name of it, but if I could... It, it, this is so mind-blowing. Our show is getting on one of the largest networks in the world. The governments of the Baltic and Scandinavian countries are aiming to make our channel the main Russian channel in their regions. They don't want propaganda of other Russian channels and are choosing clean, positive content uh, of our channel. Uh, by the time the crisis in Ukraine, we were able to stream your program uh, dubbed into Ukrainian on a secular uh, network there. We're also excited about the development of our new channel in Armenia. I'm not going to take the time to keep reading this, but guess what? Jesus is returning soon. You must fulfill your destiny. Our destiny is to reach Jewish people, to get modern-day Paul the Apostles raised up, to go to the four corners of the earth and do what the Jew was created to do, to be a light to the Gentiles and evangelize the whole world. So when you get this course, any profits are being poured into reaching the Jewish people with the gospel. When we come back, Lisa, I want you to tell me about the, the dream you got from God about putting this course together and why he wanted it. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697, 1-800-447-2697. Hello, Sid Roth back with Lisa Bevere, and we're talking about Linus Rising. Uh, Lisa, the thing that, that I found out during our break was that uh, you would get up and share five minutes when your husband, John Bevere, would, uh, would speak, but you had never written a book. Uh, you, you saw yourself really in the background, a ministry almost of helps. Uh, and then after you had that vision of the Linus, something happened inside of you, and suddenly you're, you're speaking all over the world. But then in 2007, God spoke to your spirit about writing a book. What did he say? You know, it was so funny. He said, just like you said, I, I was terrified 
of speaking. And there would be a number of reasons for that. Number one, I had lost an eye to cancer, so I didn't want to get up in front of people. Number two, I really did love being a support to my husband. Um, when he was traveling and speaking, I was home with the boys. And when I, it, one of the, the things I didn't have an opportunity to tell you, but I actually had the vision of the lioness while I was editing John's book, The Bait of Satan. And so I would go to bed every night at about 2 a.m. and get up at 6, and I was in that time period of editing his book when God began to awaken me. And so it was crazy. And so, yes, my, my world began to be enlarged. I began to be obedient. I, you know, I, I said, you know, God, I, I don't want to travel and speak. I don't want to go out there. And God said, you know, I have women out there who need you, and this is no longer about you. I wrote my first book, Out of Control and Loving It, while I was nursing my son, Arden, who was the one I was pregnant with when I had the vision. And the invitations came, and I would say, no, 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 I don't want to go. And John would just say to me, Lisa, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. You need to be faithful to steward whatever God has for you. And so I would you know, travel with Arden at first or go out on Friday and come back on Saturday. But in 2007, I found myself down in New Zealand with Darlene Check and Bobby Houston at a conference hosted by Marie DeYoung. And I kind of was coming to this place said, where I thought, oh, you know what? It's all happened. I'm not scared anymore. I'm a lioness. And I was back in my hotel room, and God said to me, I said, with the birth of your son, you would awaken a lioness. Not that you are a lioness. He said, Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah, and it is time his bride awaken a lioness. So, Sid, for the next two years, I studied lions. And let me just tell you something. Just as there is no creature that makes a man prouder to be male than the lion, there is no creature that makes me prouder to be a female than the lioness. They hunt together. They're strategic. They actually greet and groom one another. And what that actually means for us in the body of Christ is that you looking bad doesn't make me look good. You looking bad is because I have not groomed you. When lions meet each other, they actually make face-to-face -face contact. And when they make that face-to-face -face contact, it actually releases a fragrance of the pride. And they look at one another and they say, you belong to me. I belong to you. Come into the, the area of our family, into our pride, which is that, what they call their family, and discover your strength. But they also understand that their individual strengths are for service and not for status. And each lioness plans conception so that they conceive and give birth at the same time. And they do that because they want their cubs to have an equal chance to survive. But they don't stop with just survival. They want to see their cubs flourish. So they actually nurse and train one of those young. And I love this part. Lions live in the light, but they hunt in the dark. And it is time that the church begins to live openly and live lightly, and live in the light of all that God has called us to do. But we must begin to hunt in the dark and stop hiding from the dark. When Jesus calls us to light the darkness, he calls us the light of the world. We need to go out to those places that are darkened. And the reason why lions can actually hunt in the dark is, Sid, this is amazing. They have the ability to interpret any light in their environment to vision. 
their eyes are actually lit from within. They have the ability to refract moonlight, starlight, car headlights. That's why cats look like their eyes glow. It's not that they can see in utter darkness. It's that they actually can interpret light into vision. And we in the church need to be able to do that. And then each lion and lioness discovers what their one strength is, and they hone it to perfection. It is something called prowess. Now, so this is really funny. After my book was out, and it was already in five languages, I was driving in my car one day, and I said, God, I, I need a confirmation. You know, I, I need to know, is this okay that I wrote this as a book? I know I'm supposed to preach it as a message, but I need to know, is it okay that I wrote it as a book? And that night, you know, and I live in Colorado. We were in the middle of a blizzard, 8 o'clock. My youngest son comes to me and says, Mom, I, I just remembered I have a school project due tomorrow. So I go down into my basement. I tear apart the three older boys' school projects. I bring him the poster board. He said, nope, this isn't going to work. So I brave a blizzard, go out to get the poster board that I need. But before I left it, I paid my other three boys money to cut out pictures. I've got it all spread out on the table when John calls me. He is in North Carolina, and he's got this cute but kind of sometimes annoying habit of calling me and putting me on the phone with strangers. But he said, no, 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 you want to talk to this guy, and I gave him your cell phone, Lisa. He's going to be calling you in 15 minutes. I was like, I can't believe you've done this. I'm in the middle of a school project with our son right now. I, I can't talk to somebody. He said, no, no, you want to talk to this guy, and he hung up. So this guy calls me, and I answered the phone. I tried to sound really exhausted because I didn't want him to take a lot of my time. And he said to me, Lisa, your husband held up your book tonight, Lioness Arising. And he said that lions are the best killers, but lionesses are the best hunters. And I said, well, of course he would say that. That's all he knows. He hasn't read my book. And he said, well, I'm telling you why your book is important. He said, you need to know what I do here at Fort Bragg. He said, I am in charge of setting up special operative teams that go into Afghanistan. He said, up until this point, we have focused on only the men for the special operative teams. He said, but now we are also empowering women. He said, they're going to go in and they're going to tell the Afghan women they have voice and value. They're going to tell them why democracy will serve their sons and daughters well. They're going to take care of their minor medical needs and deliver their babies. And he said, do you want to know what the name of this group is? And I said, sure. He said, it's called Team Lioness. Not ready to be deployed. May I have a copy of your book for all of them? So, Sid, I got to actually outfit Team Lioness going out of Fort Bragg, then Team Lioness going out to Camp Lejeune. And why am I telling you guys this? It is because if the U.S. military understands that without the involvement of women, you will fight, but you will not win, that it is time that we in the church understand that we are going to need the women to come alongside of the men if we are going to begin to win and not just fight. See, if you can't speak to the women, you can't flip the culture, whether that's a culture in a country or a culture in the church. And Jesus is flipping the culture to go back to what he normally and originally planned with one man and one woman, both positioned in their strength with one voice to glorify God. And the fact that society has relegated women to, uh, to cooking and cleaning is actually preventing the whole, the man and woman, uniting and fulfilling the destiny of God's kingdom, the destiny of the church on this earth. Now, is there biblical precedence for uh, the ferociousness of a lioness? Absolutely. I mean, I love that God refers to himself as a lioness. 
You know, he says, like a mama bear robbed of his of her cubs, like a lioness, I'll tear your heart out. There is something uniquely protective that is in the heart of God that he put into nurture, that he took, put into the maternal. And the women have that strength. It's, it's something that he seated us with in our very genesis. And, you know, Sid, I love what you just said. I mean, the truth is, in the beginning, God said it wasn't good for man to be alone. He didn't say man wasn't good. He said man alone is not good. And God is the one that decided that Eve needed to come out, have her own voice, have her own expression. And I love how science confirms even the, the function of Eve. Men are genetically chromosomes X and Y, and women are XX, which means you actually see what women do, which is multiply in our chromosomes. You know, when my husband and I got married, his name, Bavir, was getting ready to die off. He had just one, you know, he's the only boy, and he has five sisters. But he came into my world, and I said, you know what, you give me that last name, and I'll give you four more sons with that last name. I was doing what women do. We multiply. But when women are broken, Sid, they don't multiply. They divide. And that is why Jesus is being so intentional to heal his women so that the women can begin to multiply the church because both a wedding and a war are on the horizon for the church of Jesus Christ. And that is something that the women need to get involved with, which is adorning the body as a bride. You know, you talk about in your curriculum uh, words of wisdom from history that have shaped women, but you also talk about some very famous women in the Bible, Deborah, uh, Esther, uh, Yael. Uh, tell me about one of them. Oh, you know, my favorite is probably Yael. I love that she was a woman whose husband was actually in allegiance. You know, he was with allegiance with the enemy. But, you know, when God begins to do something, God begins to stir the heart of the women. And so when Caesarea came into her tent and trying to find refuge, she, and he said, I'm so thirsty, give me water. She's like, no, 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 I'm going to give you milk. But she didn't just give him milk in a clay pot. She gave it in a goblet fit for a king. And so she disarmed him with honor. She gave him milk. He fell asleep. And then she took a tent peg and she killed him, which is crazy messy. But the truth is, God is actually using her life as a principle for every single woman, that God will actually anoint what is in your hands what you have already been faithful with. She had been setting up tents for years, and God said, you know what, in this moment, what is in your hand? What is in your hand if you give it to me with all of your life? I'm going to anoint it, and the common will become mighty. And so I love how women, no matter where they are, whether they're in a tent or whether they're outside in the marketplace, God has something he wants to anoint in their lives, and you just need to know what your season is and know what you've been entrusted with to see God take what is in your life and make it mighty. Now, you talk about all these characteristics that you studied of a lioness, and we're almost skipping by too quickly. Uh, you, you, have, you talked about the ability of a lioness to see in darkness and catch the light of the moon to be able to see this. Now, how does this apply to us? 
you know, I believe that we are living in days, like you say, the last days. And in the last days, things begin to shift. In the last days, God begins to pour his spirit out on all of his people, on his sons, on his daughters, on his maidservants, on his men servants, on his young and on his own old. And we begin to see visions and dreams reignited. I love how it opens up in the last days. God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. There is something that is happening on the earth right now. You know, it said, even when I look at all the entertainment industry, you can see that they are hungry for God's spirit. But it's not just a spirit. They have a sense that something is getting ready to happen, but they don't know how to explain it. Well, we are supposed to be people who can see. Prophetic people are people who can see. When everything is dark in the world around us, it doesn't blind us because we're lit from within. We're seers. We're, we're like Samuel. We see what God is doing, and then we say what he is saying through what we see in our spirit. And that is not something that is just unique to ministers. That is something available for all of God's children. But, you know, it's like anything with the kingdom of God. You have to know that it's available to you. I believe I'm talking to people right now that there is something inside of your life. There is something yet unseen inside of you. You know there is something more to you than what you've seen. You know there is something more to the church than what you have seen. And there is a stirring inside of you. Well, God is wanting to weave a mystery, and you can't go back to get that map. You're going to have to lift your eyes, and you're going to have to say, God, I want to see the way you see things. I love the prophetic ministry. It gives us eyes to see, ears to hear a voice to speak, and a heart enlarged to believe. And that is why I thought if I can paint imagery of lions and lionesses, the people's hearts will be enlarged again with strength, and they'll remember who they were created to be. Okay, you talk about the characteristics of a lioness, and one you talk about is rise up and confront. Comment on that. Well, definitely confronting. There is a fierce awakening right now. And, you know, I had a, I had a moment when I was actually writing this book, Sid, where I was talking about it in theory, and I had to put it to practice. My youngest son was in high school, and there was a book that was required reading for him that was absolutely horrific. It combined pornography and masturbation, and it was just, I couldn't even believe that the school was asking 14, 15-year-old boys to read this in their English curriculum. And he came home, showed me the book. We were horrified by it. I talked to the teacher. I said, you know, this is not something my son wants to read. It, it violates his conscience. Can you have another book? And through a course of events, she mishandled the way she uh, went about administrating this, and she shamed my son. And when my son came back, I woke up, and I realized, wait a minute. Why was I content for my son to be safe? and not worried about the other boys in this class. And the lioness woke up at me, Sid. And I called the school and I said, I am so sorry that I made this only about my son because I need to actually use my influence to protect the other boys. And Sid, I wrote a blog and I excerpt this book. And over the weekend, there was 550 responses. And not only was my son delivered from having to read this book, but they pulled that entire that book out of the entire school system in that district 
and they sent all of their teachers back through a course of how to select curriculum. That is the kind of power that happens when we wake up. When we wake up and say, it's not enough. I'm not going to just say that this world is going to go down the drain and I hope I escape in the rapture, but that we understand that Christian actually means anointed one. It doesn't mean just a nice person that passes out tracks occasionally, especially on Halloween instead of candy. It actually means that we are anointed by God's Spirit, and we are anointed to bring the presence of God to even people that don't even know they're hungry for yeah, there, there are women that are listening right now, but you have found men benefit just as much as women from this course. In fact, what a wonderful course for a couple to take together. For How about the entire family taking this course together? The questions in this curriculum literally push people into their destiny, literally push people into their greatness. And then you have prayers of activation uh, after they have read, and they're going to become dangerous to the enemy's schemes. Now, we're making the entire curriculum, which is the book, the workbook, the three DVDs, eight sessions, and four CDs. They're the same eight, eight sessions, so you'll be able to listen to it over and over and work this, like when you're driving your car, work this into your spirit. Uh, and I believe that as people get this course, it's what they've been praying for. So many people in this day and age that we're living in are flat fearful. They're fearful of everything. They're fearful of the economy. They're fearful of sickness. They're fearful of what might happen to their families. And I have to tell you, I can't even watch the news anymore because the whole purpose of the news is to make you fearful. I, I, I want the good news. And I can't wait to get this curriculum in your hands. That's why we've kept the price intentionally low, $79. But here's the amazing benefit. When you take this curriculum to fulfill your destiny, you might be a single person. Uh, you might be someone 70 years of age. But I tell you, look, I'm 74 and I'm about ready to walk into my destiny. It's got nothing to do with age. It's got to do with God. And so when you buy this curriculum, it's really it's an investment. Why do I say it's an investment? Because any profits are poured into Jewish ministry. This is the set times of favor, Zion. Now, are you tired of feeling sorry for yourself? I want you to get this curriculum and fulfill your destiny. You will walk in the greatest peace and satisfaction a human can. When we come back, Lisa... I'm amazed how God thrust you into uh, parts of, uh, of wild areas of the world, walking around at night, talking to women that have sold themselves into prostitution uh, or their parents sold them into it. Uh, I, I mean, I, I have to ask you, where did you get the courage to do this? We'll be right back. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697, 1-800-447-2697.
Sid Roth here with Lisa Bevere, and you should have heard the conversation during the commercial break that we were having. Uh, Lisa is involved in going to countries like Cambodia, Thailand, India, with hidden mics, uh, rescuing uh, people caught in the sex trafficking. But it all started in 2007. You're reading an article. What happened? You know, I was reading this article, and it began to talk about the, the horrors of sex trafficking. It began to talk about these young girls being sold into sex slavery, and even young boys. And I, I sat there, and I thought, wait a minute. How did this happen? And I not know about it. How did this go on in my world? And right then and there, Sid, I prayed. And I said, God, if I have any voice, if I have any influence, if I have any strength, that can be spent to stop this. I'm your girl. I know a lot of Christians, you know, we see things, we cry about it, we think it's sad, but we never, we never make that consecration. And so we don't know when God brings something across our path that it's actually his, his open door. Two weeks later, after I prayed that prayer, I got a phone call from Life Outreach, and they said, listen, it has come to our attention that there is sex trafficking going on in Thailand and Cambodia and India. Can we send you? Can we send you? Can you go into the brothels? Can you get the stories out? Can you take hidden cameras? Can you take hidden mics? Can we get these out? Can we begin to do something constructive in this incredible area of destruction? And I said, I am your girl. And so I got to... Now, now, I have to ask the question I asked you during the break. Yes. Before you started studying the Linus, before God gave you the supernatural revelation, if that had happened, could you have ever seen yourself walking in and going at night into these countries like Cambodia and Thailand and India and talking to the lowest people in strata of society? I mean, this is a dangerous thing, Lisa. I would never have seen myself doing that. Can I, can I tell you something? My life was so fearful that God had to give me a vision. He couldn't even, he couldn't point to my own life to give me strength. He had to point to the lioness. And, you know, I think that people love looking at lions and lionesses because they understand that their power is unquestionable, which makes their beauty and their majesty and their magnificence undeniable. And so I had to actually lift my eyes outside of myself, look at the lioness and begin to learn. And so, you know, okay, wait a second though. You're Lisa Bevere. You're on television. You're married to a best-selling author. That's you. What about the housewife that's listening right now? Uh, that's scared out of, out of her wits to even have a microphone in front of her mouth. You know what? I'd have to say to you what God said to me. When I was terrified of everything, Sid, this is what God said to me. He said, your children will inherit one of two things, either my promises or your fears. He said, if you face off with your fears, you will position your children well. But if you allow your fears to continue to run your life, and, you know, I have to be honest with you, my fears made me think I could protect my children by being scared. I'm going to protect my kids. I'm going to hide my kids. I'm going to be, no, that's not how I protect my kids. My obedience protected my children. And I'm on the other side with four adult boys and three magnificent grandchildren. And I look at my children and they are going to be braver than I ever was. 
but I had to face off with my fears. And God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Okay, I want to take you to the streets of Cambodia. I want to take you being there late at night, uh, I mean, in the crime district. Uh, I, I still can't comprehend you doing this, Lisa. You know, if John had seen where I went, he probably would have forbid me to ever do it again. <laughs> it, was, it, was, uh, it was incredibly dangerous. We would often have to switch two or three vehicles to be able to get back to our hotel so they weren't tracking us. There was the Russian mafia. There was the, you know, the Japanese mafia. There was all sorts of things. But there comes a time when you understand that obedience protects you. And I knew that God had dropped these women in my heart. And I knew that I had a position of influence and voice not from my own behalf, but because of theirs. And then you have to ask, you know, be like Esther and say, if I die, I die. But I am going to do something that rescues other people because my life and my influence is not given me to just spend on my behalf. Okay, I'm taking you to Cambodia. Uh, you're going to approach these uh, young girls that have been in sex trafficking, that were sold into it, perhaps by their parents. Uh, what's the first thing you say to one of these women late at night that you walk up to them? Well, first and foremost, it's interesting that, you know, you don't come up to them and say, why are you doing this? Because most of them, I understood why they were doing it. I would come to them and I would tell them that God had a plan for them, that he had a dream for their lives that they were trapped in a nightmare, but they could escape. And it was so interesting. One of the young girls looked at me and she said, I'm not like you. I'm not strong inside. I'm broken. And I said, I know that. But you know what? I'm only strong inside because of the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is inside of me. It was amazing that everywhere I would go, they were actually watching me. And I would just put my arms around them and talk to them. We'd get their stories and one of the girls, you know, you try to be very brave for them because you don't want to just look at them and cry. You want to give them hope. And I remember it had been three or four days in and out of the brothels, on, on the streets, hearing stories of mothers that had sold their children and just, you know, the heartbreak. And one of these young girls begins to tell me a story, and it was very similar to the ones I had already heard so many times. Said, And she was crying, and she leaned into my arms, and I began to just cry as she was speaking to me through the interpreter and she lifted up her head, and she put her hands on my face and said she wiped away my tears, and she said, nobody has ever cried for me before. And I don't know if people really understand that intercession, one of the definitions of interceding is to arise. It is to stand up. It is to speak out for those that have no voice. It is to stand up for those who have no strength. It is to be hands and feet of Jesus to a world that has no hope. And so it really, you know, the reason I put together a curriculum was I wanted women to have their heart broken, and then I wanted Jesus to reassemble it with strength. I wanted men to see what was going on and say, oh, my gosh, I'm going to use my strength to protect other people, not just to protect my family, because what I tolerate for others will overtake my own if I do not confront it. You talk about the word prowess. Yes. Explain. Okay, and that is one of my favorite words. It is when you discover basically what you were created to do, and then you take what you were created to do, and you hone that, and you study that, and you water that gift, 
and you create this dynamic for that God-breathed seed in your life to grow with such magnificence and strength that you can give that, that gifting, that skill, that talent on behalf of other people. So I learned, you know, and it's so funny because I never, ever wanted to be a speaker. I never wanted to be a minister. I was great with John doing all those things, but I was, I was wanting to be in the background. And God said, no, I gave you a voice. No, and if you remain silent right now, relief and deliverance will come from another sector, but you and your father's household will come under judgment. And so I was like, all right, all right, God, whatever you want. And he said, I'm going to put my words in your mouth. Too many people don't understand that prowess is usually an area that God anoints in your life where you were formerly weak, and he shows himself strong. Yeah, I find this so often. Wherever you are weak, you're weak because the world, the devil, and people have made you weak there, but that's where your destiny lies. I mean, you'd think it'd be the opposite. No, I'm going to find something not having to do with being in the public. I, 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 I want to be like Lisa was, just behind the scenes. But no, that is where your greatest strength is going to come. That's why I want you to make an investment of $79. Start with yourself or your family, or a Bible study. Uh, but whatever you do, by getting this course, Linus Arising, getting the DVDs, the CDs, the, the workbooks, uh, when you start reading the wisdom from famous women throughout history that have shaped these women, when Lisa starts giving you those questions that are going to literally push you into, you know, when you fulfill your destiny, that's when you are full of joy. When you fulfill your destiny, what do you feel like? How, how many of these young girls have you rescued from sex trafficking, Lisa? What does it make you feel like? Oh, I, I have to be honest with you. We just met yesterday, and I heard that over 330 girls have been rescued through our partnership. And it just, to be honest with you, it just awes me. But it also puts a little bit of fear of the Lord in me, Sid, that what if I hadn't? What if I hadn't been obedient? What if I hadn't prayed that prayer? What if I said, you know what, that's, that's good for somebody else, but I don't want to do that. And we need to be a people who understand that everything in our life, every step of obedience actually usually means freedom for somebody else. And so I would say to every woman, every man, every, especially, you know, I have to be honest with you, so many families get this for their young girls, so much so that uh, every single Halloween, people, they have their kids dressed up like lions and lionesses when they go to the church, you know, um, hallelujah night. So there is something that needs to be imparted in strength for these kind of things to happen. This is a generation of heroes but the enemy is trying to distract them from who they are. Would, would you pray a prayer right now that the Linus inside of each person listening, man, female, young, old, would awaken? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, right now, I just speak to this people, Father, that are under the sound of my voice. I speak 
speak to the gift of God that is in your life that is dormant. I speak to that vision that has been in you since you were young. I speak an awakening to that vision. Father, I thank you for a divine anointing. Father, I thank you that you begin to breathe on the Word of God so uh, richly, so profoundly in their life that you begin to mark this day as a turning point for them. Father, I thank you that you give them eyes to see, ears to hear, a voice to speak, a heart to receive. Father, I thank you that they will see up close what generations before only saw in a distance. I thank you that they'll speak out loud what generations before only dared to whisper. Father, I thank you that they will lay hold of with their hands what we have only handled in prayer. I thank you that they are for signs and wonders and miracles and destiny. I thank you that they are not for death and destruction. Father, I thank you that they awaken a lioness, Father, fierce and free, wild and nurturing. Father, I thank you that they're deadly to the plans of the enemy. And I thank you that you give them God-breathed, heavenly allegiances and alliances that they go from strength to strength in Jesus' name. And I'm going to tell you something. When you get this course when you get this curriculum, you are going to fulfill your destiny. Now, for an investment of $79 and any profits we make are poured into Jewish ministry, I tell you, catch God's vision and you will catch God's heart. To place a credit card order for today's offer, call anytime at one 800 447 2697. That's 1 800 447 2697. Or log on to our website at www.sidroth.org. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. Discover how you can begin watching for free our 24-hour, 7-day-a-week TV network, ISN, the It's Supernatural Network. You can write me at Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. That's Sid Roth. Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.